Well, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. That's where you can start with. I'll put a lot of the verses up here so you don't have to turn as much. But uh, we're continuing our study of Jesus in the world and seeing the people, the places, the events, and all that to tie together. Our goal is to understand how it all fits together. We divided the study into the four things, the end of the Old Testament, between the Testaments, the beginning of the New Testament, and the end of uh, the end times. And there's a lot of information, a lot of things Great truths that you, you can't remember it all, but you can, you know, have this this notebook and it'll be good resource material for you. We're now about to finish the third. We're in the beginnings of the New Testament, and we're this is the last lesson dealing with that. The next two lessons will be deal with the end times, and so we're seeing this last part. We've seen the rise of power of Rome. We've seen all the roads. We've seen the language. We've seen the law, and we saw the coming of the Messiah. We saw the coming of the 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 one who's leading the way, the forerunner of the Messiah. And then last time we saw the, the the conflict, basically. The conflict with Satan and the world and the cross. And we talked about how Jesus dying and paying for sin and conquering death. Realized that uh, the religious leaders, they did not want Jesus to go to the cross. I mean, they wanted Jesus to go to the cross. The, Satan is the one that said, I don't, deep down, I don't want him to go to the cross because if he goes to the cross, he pays for sin. So we saw Jesus said, it is finished. This lesson, we're calling it victory in the cross. There's some things in there. I'm going to write some things on the board, and, and we're just going to talk through some things. You may have some input because there's some things in this passage or in this lesson that for, for almost all of us, we've probably heard it all before because you've been in this church, but maybe not. There's some things there just to, to think about, and I think we'll, we'll see a lot of really good things, so we'll get into that. I uh, believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life when I was in college. I was in this Bible study with a man named Nap Clark. They called him Nap because he took a lot of naps. He was a fantastic Bible teacher, and Ken Shepherd, who's one of my really close friends. Uh, several of the guys in that study, we would actually, I, I mean, talk about bold I was at Delta State, a school, and we would leave that athletic dorm, walk across campus, go into the library, and I would I would remember going up to people like this. They're sitting at the library, and I'd say, hey, I'm going to ask you a question. If you were to die, would you go to heaven? I mean, I just did that. You know, and people go look at you like you're an idiot. But, you know, I talked to a whole bunch of people. And we used to leave, and somebody would say, hey, be sure and give them the gospel. And you'd say, okay, we will, we will. What exactly is the gospel? What exactly is the message? What is the good news? Stillwater Bible Church, we, we know. We have a clear message of salvation. In fact, there's some people who make fun of us because of our message. Because we tell people it's faith alone and Christ alone for eternal life. And they say, that's way too easy. You're telling people they can sin and do anything they want to do. Things like that. But it's called free grace. And it's salvation is a gift by faith alone in Christ. The gospel means good news. And it's found in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4. Paul says, For I delivered to you as first importance, I also received that Christ died for our sins, according to Scripture, that's his death, and that he was buried and he was raised on the third day, according to Scripture. The gospel is the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and they go together. And the idea there is that it works together. So what do we see? Jesus died to do what? To pay for sin. And then Jesus rose to conquer death. Now let me tell you what, in the, in the last years, probably the last 10 or 15, maybe even 20 years, I've really made it uh, my goal that when I talk about the gospel, I don't say Jesus died on the cross. I say Jesus died on the cross and rose again because they go together. The gospel message is the death and resurrection of Christ. If Jesus just died and didn't raise, you have nothing. So you have to have both. And when we talk about the good news message, it's the death and the resurrection of Christ. As we look <clears throat> at this lesson, we're going to see the victory, and I'm calling it victory in the cross. So let me give you some questions to think about, okay? When did Jesus pay for sin? Did Jesus pay for all sin for all people? Why did it, Nobody answered the first one. Why, why did Jesus die physically? Is the payment for sin different from the forgiveness of sin? If the death and resurrection of Jesus is the key for our eternal life, salvation, is if the death and resurrection of Jesus is the key for our eternal life, salvation, what part does the death and resurrection of Jesus have in our Christian life, salvation? So look, look at those questions again. When did Jesus pay for sin? Everybody says when? On the cross. On the cross. Okay, we'll talk about it. Did Jesus pay for all sin for all people? Why did Jesus die physically? Is, there, is the payment for sin different from forgiveness of sin? I hear people say you need to believe in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. 
I've had people say you need to believe in Jesus Christ for the payment of your sins. If the death and resurrection of Jesus is the key for eternal life, our eternal life salvation, and it is because he died and rose again and we believe in him and he gives us eternal life, what part does the death and resurrection of Jesus have in our Christian life salvation? It does. Did you realize that? In fact, the cross is the key. And that's why we're calling this <coughs> victory in the cross. So we're going to look at four things. I got one, two, three, four on your page there. Here's the four things we're going to look at. Number one, we're going to look at the death and the resurrection of Jesus, his work on the cross. Now, some of the things in this uh, lesson, you know, some of the things maybe you haven't ever thought about, or maybe you've thought about them, you never really put it all together. That's why I raised those questions, because some of those questions, uh, did you know that there's a lot of people can't answer those questions? We'll talk more about it. Number two, when did Jesus make the payment for sin? That's a key question. That's a quick question. Well, also, if we, when did Jesus pay for sin? When he died on the cross. Okay. Okay. Physical, physical death? What? what are we talking about? The key truths, the third thing we're going to see is the key truths concerning, <clears throat> concerning the cross in both eternal life salvation and Christian life salvation. <clears throat> we're going to see how that ties together. How the cross, the death and resurrection of Christ, ties together in both eternal life salvation and Christian life salvation. And then, how and when do we get forgiveness of sin? Those are four things we're going to think about tonight. So this is sort of a theological lesson, a lot more than some of the other things we've looked at over these weeks. Uh, there's a lot there. <clears throat> so, let's begin. Are y'all got it all down? <clears throat> Let me keep, we'll keep it up there then. Make sure to get it all. We'll get it okay. We'll also get it as we go through it, but just get it all here. I've got a lot of <clears throat> junk <clears throat> in my throat. <laughs> okay, tell me when you got it. Most everybody got it? Nope. Good gracious, y'all the slowest writing people I've ever seen in my life. But you can get it, you know, if you don't get it all, you'll, you'll get it. You'll get it as we go through the lesson. So, death and resurrection of Christ, death and resurrection of Christ, his work. When did he pay the sin? When did he pay for the, make the payment? The key truths concerning the cross, both eternal life and Christian life. And then how do we get forgiveness of sin? Okay, everybody pretty much ready to go ahead? Well, let's look at the first one. The death and the resurrection of Christ, his work on the cross. At the top of your page, that's the big number one. The cross of Christ we saw last time is the key to everything. From Adam and Eve, we've put this up many, many times. Here it is. Here's the cross of Christ. The whole Old Testament, everything is looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. The New Testament basically looks back to the Messiah who came. His death and resurrection is the whole key for everything. Going all the way back to Adam, the seed of woman would crush the head of the serpent. The Messiah would come and deal with the sins of mankind. When we think about the cross, we think Jesus was arrested and then crucified. And two things, as we think about it, as he finished basically his work on the cross, and that is his death and his resurrection. And so I want you to, to just think about this. He died to pay for sin. He rose to conquer death. Now get this. Let me say this before you write anything. We still haven't got to A, okay? I want you to think about something. He died on the cross to do what? To pay for all sin. Sin for who? Every person. He rose from the grave to conquer death. For who? Every person. A lot of people don't realize that. A lot of people think that when Jesus died on the cross, he only died for the believers. And then a lot of people think that when Jesus rose from the grave, the victory is just believers who have victory over death. No. He paid sin for every human being, and he conquered death for every human being. Every human being will be raised from the dead. Every human being, believers and unbelievers. So we'll talk more about it as we get to it. So let's start with the first thing, and that is, A, Jesus died to pay for the sins of the world. It's so true. Jesus died to pay for the sins of the whole world. We all sin and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. The soul that sins shall die. Romans 6.23 says that every person has sinned. Well, we've all sinned. We owe God death. We need a substitute. Jesus died in our place. I talked to a person one day, and I, I raised this question to him, and I said, if you were, were to die, would you go to heaven? He said, I think so. And I said, why? And he said, because I've been good. And, the, and I said, let me ask you a question. How good do you think you have to be? And he said, perfect. I said, are you perfect? He went, no. I said, you're not going. Right? And later I did get to talk to, well, not later, that same 
time we talked about eternal life and faith and he, the person actually trusted Christ as a Savior. So it's so exciting. But think about it. The wages of sin is death. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. So what happened? Jesus came and paid the penalty. He died for us. Look at 1 John 2. 2. He himself is the propitiation. The word propitiation means satisfactory payment. So he himself is the satisfactory payment for our sins. And not ours only. Not just us. But for those of the entire what? The whole world. The cosmos. That's the unbelieving world. Jesus Christ died and paid for the sins of every person. First John 2, 2. You don't have to write every word out. Just write, he's the satisfactory payment. That's what he is for the entire world. Uh, so we see that. We got a little further down. You got First Timothy. And in First Timothy 2, 5 and 6 says, there's only one mediator between God and man, and that is the man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself a ransom. And I love this, a ransom for all. So let me raise a couple of questions. First John 2, 2. He's the satisfactory payment, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. What does that tell us? He paid for how, for what sin? For what? All people. Okay? Here, First Timothy, chapter 2, 5, and 6, he says, he, There's only one meter between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for what? For all, all people. Hebrews 2.9, he tasted death for every man. Do you think there's a pattern here? When somebody tells you that Jesus didn't die for everybody, what do you say? No, no, no. He paid for the sins of the entire world. He was, gave his life as a ransom for all. He died. He t tasted death for every person. How about John 3.16, that God so loved the world, he gave his only, but God so loved who? The whole world that he gave his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. But we think about it. Everything that we see is he made a payment for everyone. Everyone. Now we're going to get to another point here in just a minute. But he paid for the sins of every person. You notice I have 1 Peter 3.18. It says this, For Christ also suffered for sin... Once for all. Some, some people put the word time in there. It's not really, the, it's once for all. It could be once for all people. So they put time in there. This is a translation. Christ also suffered sins once for all, all time. The just for the unjust. Literally in the Greek it says, for Christ suffered for, also suffered for sins once for all, just for unjust. Who's the just? Who? Jesus. Jesus. Who's the unjust? Everybody. Is any person just? No. So he died for all, all people, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God. So what do we see in 1 John 2, 2, 1 Timothy 2, Hebrews 2, 9, John 3, 16, uh, 1 Peter 3, 18? What do we see? Christ died for what? Every person. He paid for the sins of every person. We have what we call the substitution there. And that's where it says he died once for all, the just for the unjust, the substitution. So he took our sins. He paid for our sins. And Second Corinthians says he, he, we, we're reconciled to God, and he doesn't count our trespasses. How can God not count our sins? Say, say uh, they've been placed where? On Christ. See, here's Jesus dying on the cross. Here's JB, and here's all my sins. Past, present, and future. Guess where they are? They've been placed right there and the payment has already been made. Right? Now, with that in mind, with that in mind, here's the question that everyone asks. When you understand that Jesus died on the cross to pay for the sins of the entire world, if that's true, then if all sins are paid for, why isn't everyone saved? If all sins are paid for, why are not all saved? You know why? Because salvation doesn't come by payment of sin. Salvation comes by faith, not the payment of sin. Do you know the Bible doesn't say, God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever has the payment of sin will not perish, but have everlasting life. It doesn't say that, does it? Who has the payment for sin? Huh? No. No. Not just the... No. Who has the payment for sin? Every human being's sins are paid for. 
So why, if all sins are paid for, why not all saved? Because salvation comes by faith. Look at this verse. He who believes in him is not condemned. The one who does not believe has been condemned already. Why? Because he has not what? Believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Look, salvation is by faith. The payment of sin has been made for every person. Every human being has their sins paid for, but that doesn't save people. There's a lot of people that say, well, Jesus, all you have to do is believe Jesus died and rose again. He did that for everybody. Salvation isn't because you believe Jesus died and rose again. Salvation is you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior that he gives you what? Eternal life. So, his, and it, and, but it, it did it paved the way. It removed the sin barrier. But that doesn't save people. And that's a, this is a, a deep thing that a lot of people have not grasped. And they'll say things like, well, you know, when you believe in Jesus, you get payment for sin. No. Payment for sin has been made for every person for all time when Jesus died on the cross. The payment for sin does not equal salvation. Faith equals salvation. That's what I wanted to, for us to understand. That the sin, did Jesus die on the cross and pay for the sins of every person? Then every person's sins are what? Paid for. Then the salvation of mankind does not come by the payment of sin. Let me ask you this question. In the Old Testament, was sin paid for? No. no. Was Adam and Eve's sins paid for? No, they recovered. Was Abraham's sins paid for? No. Isaac, okay, how were they saved in the Old Testament? By faith, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. In the Old Testament and in the New Testament, salvation is always by faith. So the payment of sin happened at a point in time in history, and Jesus is the satisfactory payment, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. So what you've got to grasp is the payment of sin by Jesus. Jesus died on the cross to do what? Pay for the sins of the entire world. Let's go to B. He rose from the grave to conquer death. Remember a while ago I said, did Jesus pay for everybody's sins? Yes. Did Jesus conquer death for everybody? The answer is yes. Jesus rose from the grave to conquer death. Death. That's the B there. And if uh, 1 Corinthians 15 basically says, Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, death, where is your victory? There's not one. Listen, will an unbeliever be raised from the grave? Yes. yes. Why? Because Jesus, why? Why will an unbeliever be raised from the grave? Because Jesus conquered death for every person. For every person. So look at the top, let's say, I think we're now at the top of the next page. You've got the First Corinthians passage, and listen to what it says. And, and let me read it to you, because I told you to turn to First Corinthians if you wanted to. First Corinthians 15, verse 20, it says, But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who are asleep. He's the first one to come back from the dead. For since by a man came death, also by a man came resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, Adam brought death to everyone, Christ brings what? Life to everyone. Okay. Each in his own order. Now, I've got something that you may have never seen, but resurrection has an order. The first one to rise from the grave, I'm going to erase this right here. The first one to rise from the grave is who? Who? I'm sorry, I can't hear you. Who's the first one to ever rise from the grave? Jesus Christ. He's number one. Jesus Christ is the first fruits. He's the one that died and rose again. The next order. It says that each one in his own order. The next order is going to be the church where Jesus Christ will come. Let me do this. Okay. This is the church. This is the tribulation. This is the thousand-year reign of Christ. This is the great white throne judgment. The first resurrection is Jesus Christ. He died and rose again, sent it back into heaven. The second aspect of resurrection is going to be the church. When Jesus Christ comes, it says, And the dead in Christ will what? Rise first. We who are alive and remain to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Then there's a third aspect of resurrection. And that is the Old Testament believers in Daniel 12.2. When Jesus comes back to set up the kingdom, Daniel 12.2 says, The Old Testament believers will be raised from the grave to go into the kingdom. So when it says, Each in his own Order, Jesus first, church second, Old Testament saints third, and then there's one more. 
And that's all the unbelievers in Revelation chapter 20. At the end of the thousand-year reign, at the great white throne judgment, unbelievers will be raised to stand before God. So understand that Jesus Christ has conquered death for every person. Look at this. Believers and unbelievers. All who believe have eternal life, which is life forever with Jesus Christ. All the unbelievers have what we call the second death. This is with Christ. This is separated from Christ. This is in the lake of fire. This is in with Jesus Christ in the new heavens and the new earth. Every human being will be raised from the dead to exist forever. Some will live forever with Jesus Christ. It's called eternal life. Some will die forever. That's how they call it. They are separated from Christ. Christ has conquered death. So the very first question, the big question that we, we dealt with is about the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let me go back there. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that's the first aspect in his work on the cross. Okay, any questions? Let's stop and talk about it for a second if there's questions. You understand, Jesus died on the cross, paid for sin, and rose again. He died on the cross to pay for the sin of every human being, and the payment for sin has been made for every human being. That does not bring salvation. What brings salvation? Faith, whether it's Old Testament or New Testament. He rose from the grave conquering death. For every human being. So Jesus has paid for the sin of every human being. And he's conquered death for every human being. Neither one of those brings salvation. So when a Christian dies and is buried. Does that mean that they don't immediately go on to be with the Lord? Yes. Nowadays when a person dies. The moment they die. To be absent from the body is present with the Lord. So the moment a believer dies. Now when we talked about the church age. The believer dies and goes to be with the Lord. And when Jesus comes back to get the church, these believers come back with them. Their bodies are raised and then we are changed and, and at there. So it's, it's First Thessalonians. Read that passage. It's a fantastic passage. First Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. Great passage. Well, is resurrection physical or spiritual? spiritual. No, resurrection is not spiritual. Resurrection is always of the body. I want you to understand something. Resurrection is always physical. Resurrection deals with physical bodies. To die, when you die, where does your body go? In the grave. Where does your spirit go? To be with the Lord. This is believers. Resurrection is when your body is raised. Okay, so answer the question. So did that help make what... what? It doesn't make any difference. If God can create something out of nothing, He could take a body that's been cremated or blown up or burned up or rotted out over 15 million years or 1,000 years. He can take any body and bring it back, right? I mean, He can do anything, right? Huh? Yeah, well, for some it'll be more glorified than others probably. But no, I... <laughs> We're all going to be tall and not wear glasses and have hair. Okay? <laughs> Okay, so, does that make sense so far? Okay, so what we got, the first thing, which we better pick it up a little bit, but the, we got the first thing here is that Jesus died and rose again. This is what he did on the cross. Okay, the second thing. Now, this is going to get, you better, better buckle up, okay? Here we go. When did Jesus make the payment for sin? So let me go back, and I'm going to draw something up here for us to help us to grasp it, Okay. We all say that Jesus paid for sin when he what? Okay, this is Jesus on the cross. Okay, here he is. So, huh? Okay, let's, let's talk about it. Let's see what happened. When did Jesus pay for sin? When we think about it, there are, there, Jesus dealt with two aspects of death on the cross. Okay, two aspects. Some people don't always think about this. One is spiritual death. The other is physical death.
Okay. I want you to grasp this. Spiritual death, Jesus had to die spiritually to make the payment for sin because the wages of sin is what? Death. Now, spiritual death results in what other death? Physical death. We come into the world, we're spiritually dead. If something doesn't change, we're going to die physically too. So there's an aspect of a spiritual death and a physical death. So when Jesus comes into the world, and we come into the world, we're spiritually dead, and then eventually we'll die physically. So what did Jesus Christ do? He dealt with both of them, and he dealt with it when he died on the cross. And we'll talk about how he did it. First of all, you remember that uh, they arrested him. He tried, tried three times, arrested him, put him, put him on the cross at nine o'clock in the mor- at uh, nine o'clock in the morning. By twelve o'clock, everything turned dark. Right? The earth turned dark. Why? Why did the earth turn dark from twelve to three? Okay. So here's Jesus on the cross. The wages of sin is death. What does death mean? Separation. When Jesus is on the cross, what did he say? My God, my God, why have you what? Okay. My God, the Father. My God, the Spirit, why have you forsaken me? What happened to Jesus? How was he forsaken? He was separated from the Father. Jesus died, what? Spiritually. That's the pay for, that's the pay for sin. This is unbelievable, right? I mean, this is pretty amazing. Is that the only time in Scripture he ever doesn't call God Father? I don't know. Well, no, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. We could look that up, but that's a really thing, good thing to look at. One thing for sure is he does say, my God, my God, twice. And some people say, I wonder why he says that. I think he says it, my God to the Father and my God to the Spirit, because he's separated from them. Okay, when he's separated from them, what is he doing? He is paying for what? For sin, okay? We're not through, okay? So then, what does he say on the cross? What's finished? What's finished when he said, it is finished? Tell the star. What's finished? The payment for sin. Had he been out of fellowship, so to speak, being separated from the Father? And then he says, it is finished. Do you remember his last words on the cross? Say it. Into your hand. Whose hands? The Father. He's back in the fellowship with the Father. On the cross from basically 12 to 3... He was taking the sin of the world and he was dying spiritually, separated from the Father. Then it, it is what? Finished. Then he's back into fellowship with the Father. And what does he say? Into your hands, I commit my spirit. And so it is finished. What is finished? He paid for sin. So then what does he do? Then he dies physically. Because if you're going to conquer physical death, you've got to do what? You've got to die and what? rise again. And that's what he does. He conquers physical death. Now let me show you something you're going to love. You're going to love. Jesus dies both spiritually and physically. Now, uh, I think it's the top of the next page where it says John 11, 25 and 26. You may have never seen this before. When Lazarus dies, the two sisters send, Lazarus robe sick, they send the word to Jesus, come quick, you know, he's dying. And Jesus doesn't come, and he dies. And Jesus doesn't come on purpose, so he dies. And when he gets there, Jesus has already told the, his disciples, he's going to bring him back from the dead. He's going to wake him up. So when they get there, the sisters, one of them falls down and says, if you'd have been here, my brother would not die. And he said, he's going to live again. She thinks he means the future. And she says, oh, I know, in the last day. And then Jesus says this. I am the resurrection and the life. Now, I want you to think of something. This is spiritual. This is physical. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. They're two different things. Resurrection deals with what? Life deals with what? Spiritual life. Okay, now watch. Look what he says. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. What is that? What is that? Now, what is this? That's resurrection, right? 
And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. What's that? Spiritual life. Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. And he gives resurrection first. The one who believes in me will live even if he dies. How are you going to live even if you die? You're resurrected. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. How can you never die? You have what? You have eternal life, spiritual Spiritual life, that's it. He says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Resurrection deals with physical death. Life, eternal life, deals with spiritual death. So when we go back and look at the question, when did Jesus pay for sin? We can't just say on the cross. You could say on the cross, that's fine. But when on the cross? When he was separated from the Father. Physical death? Whoever believes in me will live even if he dies. Just remember this. Every time you see the word resurrection, we're talking bodily resurrection. We're talking physical. And then when you see the word life and spiritual life, we're talking about the eternal life aspect. So his first is the physical death. Believe in me. He will live even if he dies. That's resurrection. He conquers death. Second is spiritual death. Lives and believes in me. will never die. That's eternal life. So he paid for sin. And conquered death when he died and rose again. Okay, questions? Because this, this is good stuff. The third part, here's, I'm going to have to go real fast on the third part. Because <laughs> I'm going too slow. Okay, what do you think? Talk, talk to me. Anything? What do you think about this? Is this amazing? Have most of you heard this before or not heard it before? Now, I've taught it a lot of times. So some of you in this room have heard it. But some of you may have never heard this. I mean, we ask people and say, when did Jesus die, you know, pay for sin? When he died on the cross. And you say, what do you mean when? So when he died physically. Well, I say, no, no, he paid the pay. What did he mean it is finished then? He said it was finished before he died physically. What was finished before he died physically? The payment for sin. That's life. And then he rose, died and rose again physically to conquer physical death. Wow, that's some deep stuff, y'all. This is not baby stuff here, Right? I mean, this is deep stuff. Okay, let's get to the third thing. Some key truths concerning the cross in both eternal life salvation and Christian life salvation. When you think about the cross of Christ, we always think, well, that's, that's eternal life salvation. Jesus died and rose again, and, and that's how you have eternal life salvation. Jesus' death and resurrection, paying for sin, and conquering death. You can just write, write out that. You don't have to write every word down. I just want you to get this. Okay, but do you realize... That the cross of Christ, where he died and rose again, not only is that the key for eternal life salvation, it is the key for our Christian life salvation. When I keep saying that, some people are looking at me like, what are you talking about? There's eternal life salvation, there's Christian life salvation, and there's a future salvation. This is called justification, this is called sanctification, this is called glorification, this is called eternal life, this is called Christian life, and this is called the future aspect. All of those are salvation in the scripture. So when I say, if I said, What's, well, are you saved? You could say, well, you mean, am I saved justified-wise? Am I saved sanctified-wise? Or am I saved future-wise? So when you see the word salvation, the Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What in the world is that talking about? Talking about your Christian life, not your eternal life salvation. So I want you to understand something, that uh, eternal life salvation, death and resurrection, Jesus did that, that the cross the Christian life salvation, the cross is the key there as well. And in Romans chapter 6, here's what we find, that I'm going to do it really fast. And so just listen carefully, and we can talk and raise questions in a minute. When we believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life, we are placed in union with Christ. And let me, let me just get this off the board. I know we might, we might a touch go over, because there's too much good stuff here to, to, to go too fast. Okay, so here's Jesus, and here's his death and resurrection, correct? He died and rose again. When we believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life, he places us in Christ, in union with Christ, and therefore we're identified in Christ. And that means we're connected with him. And here's what the Bible is going to tell us, that... You're connected with Jesus, and when he died, you died. When he was buried, you were buried. When he rose to a new life, you rose to a new life. 
the cross is the key to victory in the Christian life. Let me give you some things. Let's talk about it. He talks about if any man be in Christ, we're a new creation. This union with Christ gives us victory. How? Well, when we believe in Jesus, we're placed in Christ. Being in union, being in Christ, our union, we died and rose again with Christ to a new life. Let me explain something to you. How many of you have ever seen me baptize anybody or seen a baptism? Okay. We have a big, what do we call that thing? Uh, uh, what's that thing called? Uh, we got something to put water in. And so we get people down in there and I say they have, they have trusted Christ as Savior and they want to give their testimony of the fact that they have believed in Christ for eternal life. And so we say, I baptize you and we go down and up. It's a picture of death burial and resurrection it's their identification with christ when jesus died they died when he was buried they were buried when he re- every one of us in this room that is the key and so watch this so here's our union jesus died we died jesus was buried we were buried jesus rose to a new life we rose to a new life now if you have your bibles just quickly flip to romans chapter six i want you to see a truth that if if we grasp it and live it out, it'll change your life forever. You'll never be the same if you grasp this truth. Because this is the truth of how we have victory in the Christian life. It deals with the death and resurrection of Christ. It deals with the cross of Christ. And that's why we often say, eternal life salvation goes back to Jesus dying and rising again. Do you realize Christian life salvation goes back to Jesus dying and rising again? Because we're connected with Him. And get ready for this because you're going to love this. Romans chapter 6, in verses 3 and 4, here's what he, he starts off by saying. By the way, he starts off by saying that you're saved and saved forever. What do people say when you tell them, when you believe in Jesus, you're saved and saved forever and nothing can change it? What do some people say? Huh? Then you, then you what? No, you can't lose yourself. You die, you're saved and saved forever. What do some people say? Huh? Then it doesn't matter why. Because some people say, well, you, and, and we, people, people come up to me. There was, there was a lady that joined our church. She joined our church the last time. She said, before she came to our church to visit and then now join, they told her, don't go there. They'll tell you, you can believe in Jesus and live any way you want to. Do we teach that you can believe in Jesus and live any way you want to? No, we say you believe in Jesus, you're saved forever. How are you supposed to live? Righteously and godly. But the charge is, if you actually tell people they're saved and saved forever, what will they do? Well, Paul writes and says, what shall we say? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? Because they were saying, if you're saved forever, then God's going to cover your sin. Of course he does. So then he says this, and look at verse 3, and this is our identification with Christ. He says, Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized, the Greek word baptizo, baptized, means to identify. That's what baptism is. It's identifying with Christ. So he says, Do you not know that all of us have been identified into Christ, and we've been identified into his what? Did you die with Christ? Yes. Therefore we have been buried with him through identification into his death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Therefore we've been buried with him, and we rise with him. So, Jesus died and rose again in our union with Christ. We what? Died and rose again to a what? A new life. We're different. The cross of Christ makes us alive as new people. Now watch this. Verse 5. If we've been united in the likeness of his death, have we? Certainly we shall be united in the likeness of his resurrection. Have we? Oh, did we die and rise again with Christ to a new life? Okay, now watch what he goes on to say. Verse 6 and 7. This old self, our old self was crucified with him. The body of sin might be rendered inactive. We'd no longer be slayed from slaves or sin. So here's what we know. Let me draw this up for you. And this is something that you've got to grasp. You've seen me draw this many times. Body, soul, conscience, flesh. This is an unbeliever. As the body holds it together, a soul relates to the world. 
The conscience tells you right from wrong, and the flesh is the bent to sin. As a believe, as an unbeliever, what's your power to live? You don't have the Holy Spirit. You're an unbeliever. What do you have? What's your power to live? The flesh, that's all you have. That's the natural bent to sin. You believe in Jesus Christ. You have eternal life. You become a new creation. That's called the human spirit. You're born again. So you're a new creation. And the Holy Spirit comes to live inside you. As a new creation, what's your power to live? Do you still have the flesh? Is that still pulling you to sin? Do you have the Holy Spirit that says, do right? There's a battle. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, spirit against the flesh, their country, one to another. Do you have a battle going on inside you? I got a terrible one going on inside me. I am so bad. And I'm so good. Right? Right? So we died. He says, you know, he says, this is what he says. When you died and rose again with Christ, you died to the flesh. You don't have to listen to it anymore. Why? Because now you have this. You're a new creation. You have the Holy Spirit. You can actually do good. This is do bad. When you died and rose again with Christ, listen to what he says. Knowing that our old self was put to death with him. When we died and rose with Christ, this was put to death. That didn't mean it's gone. It means the power to tell you what to do is gone. I'll give you an example. I worked for Coach Bob Tyler when I coached at Mississippi State. He would say, JB, go on the football field. I'd go, yes, sir, I'm going on the football field. Then I didn't work for him because I resigned to go to Mississippi State and I was working for a state farm. And what if Coach Tyler would call me and say, JB, and I go, Coach Tyler. He said, guess what? I need you on the field. What could I say? I don't, I don't what? I don't work for you anymore. Could I say, I'll be right there, click? I could, but I don't work for him anymore. The Bible tells us that when we died and rose again with Christ, we died to this right here. We no longer have to listen to it. When the flesh says, look over there, you say, I don't listen. I don't work for you anymore. I don't have to obey you anymore. Listen to what he says. Our old self was crucified that we would no longer be slaves to sin. We don't have to listen to this anymore. The cross, the death and resurrection of Christ, gives us the victory in the Christian life. Just like the cross, the death and resurrection of Christ, gives us victory for eternal life. Notice what he says. Verse 8. Now that we've died with Christ, we believe we live with him. Did we die with him? Do we live with him? What kind of life do we live with him? We're a what? A new creation. That's exactly right. Now watch what he says. This is where it gets really good. He says, now, since all this is true, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to Christ. What does that mean? Consider yourself dead to what? And alive to what? God. So when you wake up in the morning and the flesh says, look over here, do this, think this, what can you say? I don't have to listen to you. In fact, I'm dead to you. I don't have to listen to you at all. Right? He says, don't let sin rule in your body. Do you have to let sin rule? No. Do you understand that the cross of Christ and his death and resurrection and our identification with him and his death and resurrection mean we died to the flesh and we're alive to Christ. And we can have victory in the Christian life. And there's three words, by the way. You can just write these down. I've got them. I think I've got them. At the, I'm not following along with this very well. Look at the very bottom of the page. Know, consider, and present. Here's what you know. I'm going to write this down. Ready? Get ready. Know that we died and rose to Christ to a new life. Do you know that? You know that? You died and rose again with Christ to a new life. Is that right? Okay. Consider what? You're dead to sin and alive in Christ. That means what? What does that mean that you're dead to sin? You don't have to what? You don't have to listen to it. You don't have to obey it. So you died and rose to Christ to a new life. You're a new person. You don't have to listen to your flesh. So then he goes on to say, So do not present the members of your body to sin, but present 
yourself to God. So you have present yourself not to the flesh, but to God. Know, consider, present. Now, if I would obey that, I'd be, about, I'd be a lot better person. If you would obey that, you'd be a lot better person. Because you died. we all died and rose again with Christ to a new life. We are now dead to sin and alive in Christ. And when I say dead to sin, we're talking about the flesh. We don't have to listen to it anymore. So he says, quit presenting your body to sin, which results in unrighteousness, but present your body to God. So we have a choice every morning. And we have a choice all day long. We, as we walk through this life, since we died and rose again with Christ to a new life, since the cross gives us victory in the Christian life, we don't ever have to listen to the flesh. Now we do, and we sin. But we could say to the flesh, don't bother me. I'm not listening to you. I don't have anything to do with you. You don't, I don't work for you anymore. You don't control me anymore because I died to you and I'm alive in Christ. What do you think of that? It's amazing. It's amazing, okay? It's amazing. Okay, we got one more thing, I think, if we can get through this. Okay, how and when do we get forgiveness of sin? We haven't talked about forgiveness, have we? What have we talked about? We've talked about payment of sin, didn't we? When did Jesus pay for sin? Basically, death and resurrection, but when he died on the cross, it is finished. Payment's been made. Payment for sin is not the same as forgiveness of sin. Payment of sin comes by Jesus Christ on the cross. And it's for all people. Is that correct? Okay, well then, how do you get forgiveness of sin? Because let me tell you something. Everybody's got payment of sin, but that doesn't save you. Okay, so how do we get forgiveness of sin? Forgiveness of sin comes by faith. And there's two aspects of forgiveness of sin. There's forgiveness in our relationship with Christ. There's forgiveness in our fellowship with Christ. Let me erase this so you can grasp it. I told you tonight it was going to be a lot of stuff. I mean, it's huge. There's so much stuff in this. So, this is us. We're looking good. Big neck. Okay, so there we are. And on the cross, what did Jesus Christ do for us? He paid for our sin. That's payment. We need forgiveness. And there's two aspects of forgiveness. Forgiveness in our relationship. Forgiveness in our fellowship. Relationship deals with our eternal life salvation. Fellowship deals with our Christian life salvation. Watch this. The moment you believe in Jesus Christ to get forgiveness of sins in relationship with Christ is when you believe in Him. Notice this. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through Him forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you through Jesus Christ. And then watch. Of Him all the prophets bear witness that through His name everyone who believes in Him receives what? Forgiveness of sins. The moment you believed in Christ, what did you get? Forgiveness of what? All sins. This deals with your what? Your relationship. Just think about this. This deals with your relationship. Now, after you believe in Christ and you have a relationship with Him, you also have fellowship with Him. But what happens when you sin as a Christian? You get out of what? Fellowship. And then what do you need? Forgiveness. And this is forgiveness in our fellowship, in our Christian life, watch this. Forgiveness of sin in our fellowship comes by what? Confession. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to do what? Forgive us and to cleanse us. So there's two aspects of forgiveness of, of confession, of, of forgiveness of sin. One is in our relationship. That happens the moment you believe, never to change again. This one happens in our fellowship, and it happens over and over. I'm going to draw you a drawing that I told you about Nap Clark when I first started the lesson tonight. Nap would say this, here's Jesus dying on the cross, and the moment you put your faith in Christ, you are placed in Christ, which is the body of Christ, which is the church. And this is salvation, 
And this is fellowship. And when you sin, where do you go? Out of fellowship, but you can't get out of what? You can't. This is your relationship with Christ. So when you believe in Christ, you have forgiveness in your relationship with Him. And then when you get out of fellowship, you confess your sins, and then you, have, you get back into fellowship because you have forgiveness in your fellowship with Him. That's why I've had people you know, are taught that the moment you believe in Christ, you get forgiveness of sins. And then they'll say, well, if that's true, then how come it tells me I need to confess my sin to get forgiveness? Because there's two forgivenesses. Forgiveness in our relationship, forgiveness in our fellowship. The moment you believe, you have forgiveness in your relationship. Every time you confess your sin, you have forgiveness in your fellowship. Does this make sense? Questions? Anything? Well, we almost got through it. We, we've got through it. <clears throat> so, any questions about any of this stuff? Is this pretty deep stuff? This, this is full of stuff tonight. I mean, this is big. Okay, so let's talk about some keys, okay? So you can write these down. The first key is, the good news message is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want to show you something real quickly. And we'll probably see this sometime again. The message is called the gospel. What is the gospel? John 3.16 For God so loved the world... That he gave his only begotten son. Gave him to what? Die and rise again. That's the gospel. That whosoever would... The response is to what? To believe. Whoever believe in him would not perish but have... So I want you to understand. The message is the death and resurrection. The response is to believe in him. And the offer is eternal life. So we believe in Jesus Christ for what? eternal life. John 3.16 God so loved the world that he gave his son to die and rise again that whosoever would believe in him would never perish but have everlasting life. That will help you when you present the gospel to people. Just telling people to believe Jesus dies and rose again is not the, go is not, is not the response or the offer. The response is to believe in him for what? Eternal life. Yeah. I hope that makes sense. So, that's number one. Number two, Jesus died to pay for the sins of every person and rose from the grave to conquer death for every person. Is that what he did? He did. Why isn't everybody saved then? Huh? You're saved by faith, not by the payment of sin. You're right. Third, Jesus paid for the sin when he was separated from the Father and the Holy Spirit on the cross. That was called what kind of death for Jesus? Spiritual death. Okay. You got it? Right, of course, you can keep writing. I'm going to put them up there. You got, they got, they're not going away, so you got them. Number four. Jesus conquered death when he rose from the grave, being the first fruits of resurrection. By the way, when I say first fruits, some people say, isn't it first fruit? No, it's first fruits. It's plural. Jesus conquered death when he rose from, just like heavens, is always, always plural. Just like it's not the book of Revelations, it's Revelation. So you can tell when a person comes up and says, we've been really studying Revelations. I said, well, you haven't studied too much because you ain't got the title right, right? <laughs> it's Revelation, right? The book of Revelation. Okay, so Jesus conquered death when he rose from the grave being the first fruit. Okay, everybody got those? You okay? Here's number five. Our union with Jesus Christ in his death and resurrection gives us the victory in our Christian lives. Why? How does it do that? Huh? Okay, because that's a great way to say it. Look, she says it perfectly. It frees us from the power of sin. We died and rose again with Christ to a new life, and sin has been, the power of sin is cut off. We do not have to obey it anymore. Do you obey it? Do you obey it? All the, what? Huh? What? Yeah, I do. Uh, yeah. Do we have to? Yeah. 
No. So we're disobedient. Okay? Uh, forgiveness of sin in our relationship with God comes by what? By faith. And then here's the next one, the last one of these. Forgiveness of sin in our fellowship comes by what? Confession. When we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us. By the way, let me throw something out while you're writing this. And there are some people I'm sure that maybe have not heard this. When we confess our sin, that means we tell on ourselves. Let's say that, that I lied four times a day and I've forgotten about all three, three, of the, three of the four times and I remember one time and I say, Oh Lord, confession actually means to tell on yourself. It's homologeo, which means to speak the same thing. So I say to God, Oh God, I lied. I lied. To, and I say, I lied to Tom. Okay? But there were three other times I lied. I didn't confess those. Only ones I can remember right then was I lied to Tom. The Bible says, when we confess our sin, the one I'm confessing, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That means even the sins you can't remember, he cleanses you out. Because you can't, we can't remember every bad thought. We can't remember everything we do. So when we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. So for you. Huh? Exactly, exactly. And 1 John 1, 7 says, And the blood of Jesus Christ continually cleanses us from all sin. Wow, that is a beautiful thing. Is that because God looks at our heart? Well, uh, he says, when you confess your sin, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cleanse you. But you can't rem we can't remember everything. So when we say, oh, I remember this one. <laughs> he says, okay, we'll wipe it out. He, you know, he, he makes it white as snow all the time. I mean, it's like a whiteboard, and it just stays white. You know, it just, it, I, I, it's gone. Oh, I thought a bad thought, it's gone. When, when you confess it. I got six bad thoughts up here, and I confess this one. He wipes the whole board clean. If not, we'd never be back in fellowship. Think about it. We never could remember everything. Okay, let's, let's, how about some applications real quickly. Let's be ready. You don't have to write every word down. Let's be ready to present the gospel, the death and resurrection of Christ, so others may believe and have eternal life. Now remember, we present the gospel, we tell them what the response is, and we tell them what the offer is. Don't just tell people, believe Jesus died and rose again. He did that for everybody. You tell them he died and rose again, and he offers eternal life to all who believes. This is the offer. Okay, does that make sense? I, I know that's really technical, but most people are confusing. Uh, I read an article. Uh, who's the guy that wrote those 12 or twelve principles for living or something? Some psychologist who's kind of famous. Anybody know his name? Somebody Johnson or something like that? Whatever his name is. Anybody know? Nobody knows? Y'all don't read these books? Okay. Well, anyway. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, he's famous, but he's not a Christian. It says, his daughter has come to faith. That's what it said. So I read the article. You know what the article said? said that she was real bothered about things, about four different things. And a Christ, she talked to a Christian man. Who, she said to him, I'm real bothered about things. And he said, just seek God. And she said, okay. So she went home and she said, oh God, I'm seeking you. I've got problems. She said she went to bed. She woke up the next morning. She wasn't bothered anymore. So now she's a believer. What does that have to do with any of this? Absolutely nothing. That's why I'm telling you that there's so many screwed up messages out there. It drives you crazy. You hear people say, repent of your sins, give your life to Jesus, walk down an aisle, make him Lord of your life, do this, do this, do There's a million things they tell you to do when bottom line says, believe in him for what? Eternal life. He's the one who died and rose again, and he's offering the gift of eternal life to all who believe. It's that simple. Okay, second, let's have an understanding of when Jesus paid for sin on the cross and conquered death. When did he do that? When did he pay for sin? When he separated from the Father. When did he conquer death? When he rose from the grave. Sorry, we're going over a little bit. You ready? Here's the third one. May we have victory in our Christian lives as we understand our identity and union in the death and resurrection of Christ. Think about that. Our identity, our union with the death and the resurrection of Christ. Wow. And then last but not least, I'll put that one other. May we confess our sins so we can have forgiveness of sin and be in fellowship with Jesus. 
Payment for sin happened the moment when Jesus died on the cross. Forgiveness of sins happened the moment we believe in Christ. Forgiveness of sins and fellowship with Him happens when we confess our sins.